But in that, it's like, well, where do you go next? Honestly, I knew I wanted this book out, but I didn't know how the best way to do it. There was quite a few small presses that had interest, but I just didn't feel like that was a right choice. I felt confident I could do it myself and do it well. So to do that and to fund it, that's where I turned to Kickstarter. Welcome back to the Business of Christian Fiction. I'm here today with my friend Emily Haney, and she's here to talk to us about her experience in the publishing world as a writer. But also, she owns a shop and she talks about books. So you've got a couple different things going on. So I'm excited to dive into it. You write under a couple different pen names and you have done a Kickstarter for one of your novels. So I think we have a lot to talk about. I'm excited to get into it. To kick us off, why don't you just Tell us a little bit about yourself and your publishing journey so far. Sure. Thanks again for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I I am a lot of people. (laughs) Uh, It sounds a little crazy, so it's hard to kind of keep them straight. I started writing forever ago and up until this point, finally now have a few, well, at least a published book out and several more on the way, which is really exciting. So under the pen name E.A. Hendricks, I write young adult science fiction and fantasy and contemporary, and that's where the Kickstarter comes in. Then under my actual name, Emily Haney, I write romantic suspense and cozy mystery, and I just had a book come out. It's called Expired Promise with Sunrise Publishing. And then under the pen name Bella Renshaw, I write just sweet romance. <laughs> there's sometimes it, there's touches of faith in it for sure, but it's just just like Sweet Romeo. It's kind of like a Hallmark movie. I have a completed Christmas series and some things on the way. So yeah, that's me on on the side of all of that. I'm also a book cover designer, graphic designer. I work with authors. I do have a shop, as you mentioned, and I'm a photographer. So I do a lot of things, very creative things. Yeah, it's very creative. And I love the covers. I was looking through them just a little bit ago and I'm like, Oh, those covers are gorgeous. Like you've done a beautiful job. (laughs) Thank you. So definitely for those authors who need to hire a book cover designer, they should definitely check you out because you do a great job. Thank you. So how did you decide on using all these different pen names? Because this is a question I often get. They're like from authors who, Mm -hmm. especially those who maybe want to do a couple different genres, they always ask me, should I do different names, different genres? So how did you decide to do that? And would you advise other authors mm-hmm. to do that? I've actually been asked this question a lot as well. And the answer kind of varies depending on the situation. But for me, a little quick history, if I can make it as quick as possible. <laughs> I've always been a writer, as I said, just I love story and I'm an only child. So I think that that created this imaginative world that mm-hmm. I love to live in. I probably still live in it. <laughs> and through that, I did a senior project focusing on writing a novella. I just was really, really interested in becoming an author, but I didn't really know what that looked like. And more than just writing, you know, okay, I write in November for NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month. I would kind of do that and then go about my business, just doing the other things that I had to do. So I think it was about 2012. I remember like very vividly reading the end of a Rachel Houck book. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but I got to the end and I like to read the author's note and she had thanked ACFW. And I said, what is this? I have no clue what this Mm -hmm. is. Looked it up and it's American Christian Fiction Writers. 
And I remember that that was the moment. That was the moment that I decided to take my writing seriously. And I put my money where my mouth was. And I was like, I'm going to this conference. This is crazy, you know, but if I really want to be a writer, I have to figure out what that's about. And I'm sure, you know, it's all vague because it's been so long now, but I looked into it before then. But getting to that point was really just doing a lot of writing and figuring out like, do I even like this? Those type of things. So actually two weeks before the conference started, they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to be our photographer? Did not know what that meant. (laughs) And I said, yes. (laughs) And it was awesome. Totally worth it. And it started a journey. I think this is going to be my 11th year or something like that of of being the photographer, doing headshots, meeting authors. I met Rachel Hauck and I now have like, had her phone number. I could text her, you know, <laughs> you're just like, awesome. this is crazy. Full circle that, moment. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, this is crazy. But all of that to say, up until that point, I knew I needed an agent and I knew I wanted to, at that point, I wanted to write romantic suspense. And that was my hardcore focus. That's what I love to read. I was really just like intent on that. But it takes a long time, right? You, I met with agents and mm-hmm. got rejected, which is a good thing because it tells you, you know, go back to your work, learn something new, figure out how to hone this in. Got to a point where I had submitted a pitch uh, for, I think it was a love-inspired contest, and they wanted to see my manuscript. Through that, I was able to secure an agent and then actually ended up not publishing that book <laughs> since I didn't feel comfortable with the changes. That's, a, mm. that's another side story I could get into later, just because of the way that it shifts your mind about being a business and not just being a writer. But right. I digress. So anyways, all through that, came to a point where I was still trying to get picked up, writing book after book after book, trying to figure out what what is this, what's going to be the book that does it for me. And I mm-hmm. got a little tired of waiting. So I decided to write a Christmas I think it was a novella at that point. And I just said, I'm going to write this for fun. Then I wrote it. And then I thought, well, what if I just published it? Now, this was, I think, like 2016. And at that point in the industry, independent publishing was still not quite as accepted as it is now. And I was really afraid. I put this book out. This is it. It was a very new field. And I was a little worried about tanking my career, basically, by putting out a book and having it fail. So enter my very first pen name. And I did a lot of research about what that would look like and just decided, hey, if I go ahead and publish under this and I don't tell anybody that it's me, I don't have to reveal those sales numbers. I don't have to Mm -hmm. do anything. And I could just purely do it for fun. And I loved it. I dedicated my first book to my dad because we watch Hallmark movies together at Christmas. Uh And it was super fun. And I started on this journey. I created a whole social media account for her, a website, all those different. I call her her. (laughs) It's like my alter ego. uh, You know, went through all of that. So that was my first pen name. And then through the course of, gosh, it's been, I think it's been about 10 years is what I decided by the time that I signed with Sunrise Publishing, that was the moment, this is a couple of years back because the book now has just come out, but that was the moment when I talked with my agent and said, okay, what do we do? Because I've signed this under Emily Haney. I want, I want it to be me. I want to be able to say that it's me, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to just lose Belle Renshaw. I mean, I don't mind so much about the name, but more of like the books. I want to be able to right. still talk about them. So we decided to just kind of burst it open and say, hey, guess what? It's been me this whole time. <laughs> and then combine. So I combined Belle and myself into one person. 
on Instagram and on the website and all those different things. So I I keep the the delineation there because yeah, I um, noticed you have like a note that says like pen mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because in talking with my agent, she really highly suggested when people come to the Emily Haney pen name, they're going to want to see romantic suspense, not necessarily sweet romance. Now, I think of Irene Hannon, now she's made it, she's huge, but mm-hmm. I think of her and she gets away with writing both. And so I was very tempted to kind of push back on that, but I submitted to her wisdom in that and have kept them separate yet together because mm-hmm. they're both in that adult sweet romance category. Just one has suspense and the other doesn't. And then the right. crazy mystery came in because I was a ghostwriter for eight, nine years. And I did a lot of cozy mystery. And so I sold um, a couple of books to write for hire under the Emily Hen- Haney pen name as well. Or mm-hmm. it's my name, but <laughs> whatever. I'm underneath yeah, that name. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, because it wasn't crazy enough, my heart books are really science fiction and fantasy and they're hard to sell. And I understand that. But as someone who loves YA and I have worked with youth for many years, I decided to go for it. And that's a whole long story about how I even got to the Kickstarter stage. But I decided that I would publish those uh, science fiction and fantasy books in the young adult uh, category under E.A. Hendricks. And so Emily Ann is my you know first and middle name. And then Hendricks is my main name. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a nod to my family on that side. I'm carrying <laughs> out the name through my books. Uh, that was a, a strict delineation because the young adult world and the adult world is very different. Mm-hmm. And people who come to, especially my Create, Explore, Read Instagram page, which is where I host my E.A. Hendricks pen name, they're looking, I wouldn't say exclusively, but mostly for general market, for science fiction, fantasy, and young adult is like the focus there. So mm-hmm. I thought that it would be the best bet to think that people who would come to search out me as E.A. Hendricks would be looking for young adult, whether that's science fiction, fantasy, contemporary, something like that. But they wouldn't be looking for like sweet romance in the adult category. So, so it's almost like... I'm thinking of brands, like clothing brands mm-hmm. that are owned by a parent company, but then they have like three different clothing brands and those all have very unique mm-hmm. end users. So mm-hmm. they kind of have different logos, different yeah. whatever, but you know, they're all part of the same parent company. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same here mm-hmm. that you are like, I'm the parent company. <laughs> you're the parent company. It's just weird when we're talking about writers and yeah. we're like, it's me though, but it's yeah. not. Um, but you have like these very unique brands. Mm-hmm. And so your pen name essentially becomes your branding. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to your last question too, about whether I recommend it to people, I I really do feel like it's a case-by-case scenario because there are, it, it's going to depend on the market that you're going into. It's going to depend on how many ideas you have. It kind of sounds weird, but if to me, writing one science fiction was just like something I really wanted to do and that was it, it kind of makes more sense to like just do a one-off and maybe put it under a random pen name. If I wanted to come back to it, I could. Um, obviously, we've discussed why I do it. And it's not just yeah. a one-off. I'll be writing a ton under that. But it just, it worked better because my other main brand was in the Christian adult market. Mm-hmm. They're just so separate. Like there's just not a lot of crossover. 
if I was looking back and I had it all to do over again, I would probably just write romantic suspense and sweet romance all under Emily Haney and cozy mystery and just leave it all in that category. And maybe someday I'll get to that point and just transition Belle over to that completely. I don't know. I haven't decided that yet. Mm. But I would say whatever works best for you to keep the sanity. <laughs> I was going to say, I you think know? when writers ask me this question, I typically say start with one. Start mm-hmm. with your name mm-hmm. because it's very hard to manage multiple social media accounts mm-hmm. on your own. If yeah. you have a team, it's a little bit easier. But if it's just you, it is so hard to manage and it's hard to bring your authentic self to both, yeah. to all of them. One of them is going to kind of fall a little short. So I always I always advise them to just start with one and just do it under their name and to mm-hmm. look past the genre to the deeper messaging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is the experience or what is the message that kind of is the common thread throughout all of your ideas mm-hmm. and market yourself around that. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the genre is more of like a tool in order to deliver that messaging. And so that's how I've coached people to do it because it is, it's a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It and really if, is. <laughs> and if you're a solopreneur, but you, you're a little bit of a different case in that you've been around for a while. So these are kind of established names that you've had for a bit. Though I'm wondering, is the social media still kind of hard to navigate all of it? It is definitely, like you said, one gets less. That would be my, ironically, my Emily Haney one, which is unfortunate. Because it's the one where I have a book out right now. But it's, I've had my Create Explore Read handle on Instagram for so long. Probably 2016, I think, is when I started it. There's so much wrapped up in that. It really is its own brand. And when it, like having the book come out was kind of like a cherry on top. It wasn't, oh, we've been doing nothing this whole time. And now you have a book. It's been leading up to that. I've been using my marketing and my message to get me there. But it's so much more than that. That's the one where I've got publishers sending me books that I've got to post and reviews I've got to do and things like that. So it does take more of my energy. Also, I just really love science fiction and fantasy. So it's not that I don't love romantic suspense, but I tend to just gravitate towards that. So I really have to be a better manager of my time in kind of going to both. (laughs) But yeah, that's definitely part of it. (laughs) So let's switch gears a little bit here and and go to your passion. Start talking a little bit about your young adult suspense. And let's talk a little bit about this Kickstarter that you had in the book. First of all, what is the book that you currently just released? Yes. So that was Expired Promise with Sunrise Publishing. So we're paired up with the mentor author. So Lisa Phillips is my mentor author. And we're writing in her world, which mm-hmm. is really fun uh, and unique. It's kind of a little like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like ghostwriting, but it's the idea of it's not just your own idea. You have to really mm-hmm. fit into her world as well. So that is out with them. Yeah. And so I had the Kickstarter and then kind of had to really quickly transition gears to putting this book out. And they're in totally different galaxies. The the book you just released is a romance, like a mystery, romantic suspense. Yeah. yeah, So it's like shooting and murder and not like (laughs) too much, but just a little. (laughs) I love it. Enough to make it interesting. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So how did you come around to doing a Kickstarter? Like what prompted that? Again, I'm such a storyteller. I'll try to make it short. It's hard, You're fine. Uh, we, we love stories here. This is why we do this, right? Right. That's true. That is true. So before I got the contract with Sunrise, my friend Kristen Crum, 
who I think you know as well. She's amazing. She reached out to me August of 2020 and she said, Emily, I've got this great idea. This, I feel like this happens all the time. I've got this great idea. And I'm like, okay, Kristen, what is that? <laughs> she said, let's write a book on our blogs for a month. It's this thing. I think she found it through someone's newsletter. Okay. And so I, I said, I'm up for a challenge. Let's go for it. And at the time, I thought it was actually going to be a prequel to another series. And then it just became the series. It's a whole thing. But I stuck with it. I don't think Kristen made it to the end, but she did start a really fun book, which I hope she finishes. So I got to the end of it and I had people reaching out. I was able to write every day. It was at least 1,500 to 2,000 words a day, basically, for 30 days straight. And I had people saying, hey, like this has become my nightly ritual to read this. <laughs> I'm like, when is it going to be out so I can buy it as a book? And I said, well, it's actually only half done. Because yeah. I didn't realize that, oh, this is like just the beginning of the story. So I decided to take some time. I reworked some of the plot. I added another 58,000 words basically to make it full and finished, um, which was challenging <laughs> in and of itself. But got it to a point where I was happy with it. And then I took it to my agent and I said, hey, can we shop this out? But I wrote it as a general market book. And I don't mean that in the sense that there's anything included in it that would preclude it from a Christian market, mm -hmm. but I didn't put a specific Christian message in it because I wanted it to have a more wide appeal. Mm -hmm. it, and I, I, it's always hard to talk about this because I don't want people to think that I took my Christianity out of it because no, I really it's didn't. It's the difference between writing a book that has an overtly Christian message in it and writing a book that is written from a Christian worldview. So I always oh, yeah. liken it to instead of writing psalms you wrote esther and i like that that's yeah. perfect <laughs> yeah it's like for me obviously it is from a christian perspective and there's some really great themes in it that i wanted to hammer home but also i just really love to write a fun adventure story with romance it's a right. circus in space so like, how fun is that uh, yeah. so i call it the greatest showman meets star wars basically i love it how i kind of combine those so we shopped it out to probably like nine or 10 different publishers and we got great feedback, which was really encouraging. I mean, we're talking big name editors are like reading it and enjoying it, but there's always that, but it's a science fiction. It's really hard to sell. And I didn't have a platform. I mean, I do, but I don't have quite a big enough platform for something like that to go general. Which market. you don't have a small platform. Right. Yeah. Because like, combined, you probably... Well, how your crate explore read? How many? You're like around um, like fourteen thousand, right? No, I just actually passed seventeen five, which exactly. is fun. Okay. I was doing a giveaway though, so I think that's part yeah. of it. But, but yeah, <laughs> but seventeen thousand is nothing to sneeze at. Like right. there's authors. I'm one of them who's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to the day when I can say I've brought. Right. That's just one of your platforms mm -hmm. and it's just crazy to me it's, it's funny it's the general market it's i think it would be a but little even, different in the christian market but still it's, i've heard fifty thousand yeah. in the christian oh, wow. market holy cow like <laughs> like that's nuts yeah. but you know it, it ranges it depends on who you are that is very true yeah so we didn't really get a bite which is fine honestly it was a great experience and i'm glad that we did it I don't feel bad i didn't get anything that was just like that made me feel like oh mm -hmm. i made a mistake Right. But in that, it's like, well, where do you go next? Honestly, right. I knew I wanted this book out, but I didn't know how the best way to do it. There was quite a few small presses that had interest, but I just didn't feel like that was a right choice. 
Mm-hmm. And between going small press, well, depending on the small press, of course, but or going independent, I felt confident I could do it myself and do it well. Right. So to do that and to fund it, that's where I turned to Kickstarter. I think I want to say mm-hmm. I had a couple of friends who had gone before me. I know one specific friend, C- CJ Malacy, but she had done a Kickstarter the year before. She reached out to me, and so I created a cover for her. So I followed her through this whole process and I was like, oh, this is so fun. And like, it's graphics heavy, which I totally do with all these different things. And so through seeing her progress in it, I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. And she helped me a ton. I did a lot of research. I've backed a lot of campaigns. And at the end of the day, I just kind of went for it. I don't necessarily say that's how everybody should do it. But I will say, leading up to it, there are a few things I know that helped me. One, I had put out the book already, in a sense, on my blog. It was on Wattpad. I took it all down, so you could only read the first chapter, which has changed a little bit since then. But there were readers already. You had tested your product, essentially. Mm -hmm. You knew the product had interest. Exactly. Exactly. And then and on top of that, I had been talking about it, like I said, on my Instagram page. People were ready, I think, for a book from me. That sounds bad. I don't mean it like that, like arrogantly, just in the sense of I'm talking about it so much. It's like, well, fine. Like, aesthetically, it's fun. Like you get this space circus vibe. And then also I released my cover the day that I released the Kickstarter. And I think that... <laughs> If I could pat myself on the back for anything, it would be that because that really just rocketed it into everybody's mm-hmm. feed. I got over 100 signups for my cover reveal because I do a lot of things for other people. I mm-hmm. try to reveal as many covers as I can. So I had revealed a lot of other people's covers. I had worked with them. And so I think that that sharing, it goes both ways, right? Yeah. I had a lot of people who were like, I'm ready to help you. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just amazing and huge. So that got it into the eyes of a lot of people. If we're talking about techniques, I mm-hmm. did a lot of really fun, well, I thought they were fun, <laughs> updates. I used a lot of be- memes and funny, like inside joke type of things. And just really try to have people, I guess, see my personality. And you were talking about having a genuine platform. That's something I speak on too. Yeah. It's just that your best, I guess, product in a sense is yourself, right? Right. You're selling who you are to other people and then hoping that they're going to get on board with the things that you're passionate about too. And it, it seemed to have done well so far at <laughs> least. So what was one of the biggest lessons you learned? Like, what would you not do? again, if you were to do it again? Oh, man. I think it's it's twofold. And the first is to not be myself, which, well, I mean that in the sense of don't be a procrastinator. <laughs> I left it to the last minute to do everything because I was busy with other things. And it's no excuse. But I just underestimated how much time I needed in order to really flesh out a well thought out project. Uh, like there were some designs I didn't have ready at the at the front. I did have my cover done, which was a big selling point. I did it myself and just, I wanted to make it eye-catching and beautiful and fun. And that was good and very helpful, but I didn't have the bookmark. Well, what does the bookmark look like? I have to design it. Mm -hmm. I'm like in the middle of my campaign designing these things, which worked out honestly, because when I would drop them, I would see an increase in in my sales just because now people are seeing what they're buying. But I, I think it probably would have been better to have a lot more of that done up front. 
Okay. And stretch goal wise, be able to say, okay, now, now I can reveal to you what the design is for this stretch goal, but you know about the other backing type of things. I think for me, that was the main thing I'm thinking for my next campaign is just to be a little bit more like start early, start earlier than you think you would. And on the flip side of that, realize that probably you're going to get nothing done while your campaign is live. I'm sure that will shift being my second campaign if I do another, my third, that type of thing. But I was just so consumed by it because there's just, you're writing these updates and so you want to make them relevant. I thought, oh, maybe I could write them before, but it has to be in the moment, I think, Mm -hmm. to, to respond to what it is that you're updating about and you don't, you can't guess at the timeline of things. But also just, it's fun. It's exciting. It's Oh gosh, social media will captivate you because you've got all these people posting. Well, I want to say thanks. Thanks so much for doing this. And I want to be responsive in that. Also creating my own content and stuff to share. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's a lot of time. It's it's a lot of time. And I definitely put me kind of off the rest of my schedule for the year just because it was so much time. But now I know. So moving ahead should be better. So a couple of like, Specific follow-up questions. How long was your Kickstarter campaign? I did, oh gosh, 20, I want to say it was 22 days. So maybe it was maybe a few days longer than that, but roughly three weeks. Do you think that was a good amount of time or do you think you should have done it longer or shorter? I am glad I didn't do any any shorter. I know they talk a lot about the lag in the middle. I did sense that for sure, but I never felt like it was too laggy. If I can say that, I could have gone a little longer. I don't know that it would have made that much of a difference because when you're ending, you're ending. You do Mm -hmm. see an uptick at the beginning and an uptick at the end for sure. But in order to kind of circumnavigate that, I had people scheduled uh, very loosely. It's just like, if you can, almost every day of the campaign to post something on Instagram. And they all did that for no other chance them to get I think they read like the first two chapters or something I just asked I just said hey would you be willing and there were people who who were so that helped a lot to kind of keep it in the eyes of people would you recommend authors approach like indie authors to do that essentially what you did is pre-sale right Mm -hmm. like a sense yeah in a sense I (laughs) I go back and forth I 100% do recommend a kickstarter if, if someone has a desire to do it But I think that you will see varied levels of success based on what it is that you're selling. Because Kickstarter, Mm. if you spend time on Kickstarter, you're going to see what campaigns tend to do best and what ones don't kind of do as Mm -hmm. as good. And a lot of that is, I mean, I'm in that kind of sweet spot for Kickstarter because it's a little unique. It's it's a fantasy and science fiction, or I should say it's a science fiction with fantasy. That's like weird. It's just like something different. It's not your typical, I can go on the shelf and just pick this out. That tends to do well. Obviously, there's like a lot of tangible items that tend to do well. Yeah. But, so I'm not I'm not saying that you can't do well. I just think that it will really depend on your own audience as well. Kickstarter says they don't guarantee it, but they usually tend, if you bring two people, they're going to bring two people. If you bring 50 people, they might bring 50 people. It's like I said, not a guarantee, but it is something that they they say on just like their end of the marketing. 
And then that increases if you get the Project We Love badge, which I did, which was really fun. Hmm, So it's just you're thinking about, okay, if I can bring 50 people personally and they'll buy maybe like my lowest tier of $10 or something like that, you can start to like see how you would be able to make your, like, where does my goal need to be? What do I want to do with this? There's a lot that goes into it, obviously, so there's more than that. But But it sounds like, to me, if you're going to do a Kickstarter, you need to study the platform, see what Mm -hmm. other people have done to see what works and what doesn't work. Like any tool that we use, right? Any platform we use, they all have their unique bents to it, and we kind of have to play Mm -hmm. to it. Definitely back other projects. That's like one of the top things I know that everybody recommends, but it helps. It helps to see. So you have to think about, too, when people are coming to Kickstarter, they're not just thinking, oh, I'm going to buy an $8 ebook or something like you would get on on Amazon. They're buying into an experience. Mm -hmm. So they're willing to pay more, which is really nice. But it's it's not just because you can gouge money out of them. It's because it's going into, well, I had to front the cost of my editing. And if I I hadn't designed it, I would have had to front the cost of a cover and these things that will help me sell the book faster. So there's a lot that goes into it that it's a culture, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding that culture as you would for any any audience that you would step into, it would be really helpful. That that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a really great word of advice right there that you have to understand the thing that you're using and the community that you're appealing to before you you can really be effective in marketing or selling. So what other kinds of online marketing have you found helpful or useful? So I want to say the first thing about me is that I'm cheap. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. And obviously, like, I have a lot of books and I have a lot of I have good things. But I try to do things as efficiently and inexpensively as possible to the extent that it's still helpful. Now, right. obviously, when you need to pay more, you need to pay more. Right. Completely and behind that. But so for me, I would say I don't put a lot of marketing money into my myself as a writer yet, but I do put a lot of marketing time in. And I mm-hmm. think that that looks like me being on Instagram probably more than I should <laughs> and spending time to connect with that audience there, which I would say paid off. I think mm-hmm. that the people who saw what was happening with my campaign wanted to be a part of it because they know me mm-hmm. and then Obviously, there are people who are new to it, too, which was really exciting. But I do a lot of that. I don't, I'm not sure if this technically falls into marketing, but I kind of think it does. So one of the things I started when I was just beginning my writing journey was a blog. And Mm -hmm. blogs were really popular and it was just like everybody had a blog. (laughs) But on that blog, I wanted to kind of maximize, I guess, my effort there. I would invite authors to come and do it an interview process with them and if they wanted to pay for to give a book away type of thing I would mm-hmm. offer that so through that I was getting their audience on my platform right and that's yes. what we like to do right it helps active marketing yeah. is so good I love it and so I took that thought process and then with my friend Kristen Crum decided hey what if we did a podcast because that's mm-hmm. kind of like the new blog right it is yes <laughs> And so together, we then have really awesome authors on our podcast and are able to then, obviously, their audience is coming to hear them, which is awesome and which is what we want. But we're mm-hmm. also on there, too. So there's a chance that there's some crossover there. Right. So I think in thinking like that or like doing giveaways on Instagram where it's a collaborative effort, I see the most results for those things where 
maybe for like a giveaway I'm part of with other people. And that's so fun because it's like, there's like 17 books I think that we're giving away. And so we're only just responsible for our portion of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think to me, that's really good money spent. Mm -hmm. It's a book, it's some swag and fun things like that. But you're also part of a group of other like-minded authors with books that are going to get some crossover readers, I would say. So Now you're in another kind of collaborative writing that's coming up, right? There were the three oh, volumes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I know one three. of the authors, Liz Bradford, and her oh, were friends. Oh, you know Liz? Yeah, from way back in the day. Because <laughs> we live in the same town. Uh, oh, we're, so we funny. go to the same church. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah, I know. For me. I, I totally will. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah yes. So, and that's another thing. So that, and that's completely on the other side of things. That's on my Emily Heaney side. That is so fun. So Lisa Phillips, who's my lead author for that Sunrise book, she was the one who suggested it. It's a great way to have like kind of a bit of a bridge for me, although it's coming a little early to really technically be a bridge. But Mm -hmm. from this first book that I released with Sunrise and then to hopefully another book in a year and a half or something like that, where you're like, well, what can I offer you in the in-between that's in that romantic romantic suspense genre? Well, here's a collaborative novel, or well, I guess it's a novel collection because we're all doing novels. I was going to say three volumes and it's got four four books books in each one. Mm -hmm. So cool. (laughs) That's another way, like you're pulling, you're cross-promoting, right? Like you're pulling in audiences. Writing's kind of a lonely gig and we don't often talk about collaborative marketing as a way to go about doing it but really is really powerful and if you can figure out ways to do it then you definitely should Mm -hmm. so before we wrap up i wanted to cover a couple more things so you don't just write you also have this where you provide services so you do design you do photography you also have an sd shop with some things that you've designed so you have other things that you're doing in addition to your writing Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering at what point did you kind of say, okay, I'm going to add in these different things or did they come first? Mm-hmm. That's kind of one question, one part of the mm-hmm. question. And then the second question is, has it, is it easier for you to think like an entrepreneur with those businesses than it is with the writing or does it pretty much work across the board the same way for you? Mm-hmm. So the Etsy shop actually came first and that was when I started my Instagram in 2016, I think. So I, I think I'd had something, I don't remember what it was. But something on Etsy, because it does say that I've been on Etsy since 2012 as like a shop. Okay. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I did something, <laughs> something up that never sold. <laughs> but as I became more just involved in the design world and the bookish world, I realized, wow, I, at the point that everything was starting, which was kind of around the 2016, maybe a little earlier, there were so many shops that were selling bookish items that I looked at the items and I thought, I could make this myself. Mm-hmm. It was nothing against the design, but it was just simplistic. And I was like, well, this can't be that hard. But I, what if I did something of my own mind, mm-hmm. basically? And so I, I would say that the shop kind of peaked in those early days, in a sense. I don't put as much effort into it now just because I'm so busy with other things. Right. I let it just kind of stay open. Eventually, I'll put some swag and stuff from my current books in there as well. Just so people have a chance to purchase those items later. Mm-hmm. Before I really started doing more in the design world for authors, it was a way for me to create these designs that I just enjoyed and loved. And then authors would see those and think, oh, maybe oh, she could do a bookmark yeah. for me. Or yeah. maybe she could create a sticker that would match with my book. That so kind so, of became a portfolio for you. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And while also making me some money on the side and Mm -hmm. through that, I've expanded to add in t-shirts and mugs and things like that. So it's been really fun and I enjoy that. But I think, I think it works the best when I am passionate and right now I don't have enough like mental space to be passionate to create new designs Mm -hmm. because those are the ones like you try and you're like, oh, maybe this will make something fun. And it's just like, it doesn't hit right. Right. Because it wasn't created off of, I just read this amazing book and I want to make this quote design or whatever. Right. So yeah, there's, there's those things that kind of get in the way with it, but it is a lot of fun and it is a great way. I've had people purchase bookmarks. My Beauty and the Beast bookmark is like really popular for weddings. Mm. So people will buy them to like In like both. Yeah. Yeah. To like give to their, you know, wedding guests and things like that. So things like unexpected things that just like popped up that have been fun. So I, I basically started that first. And then I would say maybe kind of along the, the same time that I was starting my design business. Mm-hmm. I had done photography since 2011. And that was, I was in wedding photography and then kind of just mostly transitioned to headshots and things like that. I was doing those alongside um, my design business and then in uh, the photography. And then it all just kind of continue to explode I guess the photography has taken a back seat unless it's conference photography which I totally enjoy and I'm fine with that because I don't have as much time to do like family portraits and things right the shop like I said still kind of does its own thing and I just let it go and then uh, the design business has really grown so that's like probably my main that and then writing or kind of alongside that I think sometimes when we're doing services it's a little bit easier than when we're writing a novel you know to kind of have that mindset of like, this is a business, it's a transaction, there's contracts Mm -hmm. involved, there's Mm -hmm. a deliverable if we are. I know you've worked with traditional publishing Mm -hmm. houses, so you've had like a contract with that. Right. But for this particular book that you did Mm -hmm. with a Kickstarter, do you feel like you brought the same kind of business mindset to it? It's a really good question. And I think that it will probably, answer will probably change as I continue on, I think, in my writing career. But being a ghostwriter, I was a ghostwriter for about eight years. It kind of shifted my perspective on writing in general. I think it was really good for my writing because I was just writing a ton and you're just getting the stories out and you have to stay on deadlines and things like that. So when I stepped then into, okay, I want to treat my personal writing as a career and a business, it kind of goes back to what I mentioned about that very first love-inspired book that I didn't want to make the changes that the editor was mentioning. Yeah. And I kind of like kicked myself like old Emily, like, what were you thinking? But it's because I didn't have the correct mindset. I wasn't looking at my writing as a business. I was looking at it as passion. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I think it's both. It needs to Mm -hmm. be both. Mm -hmm. My design business is the same way, but probably a little more on the business side, like you're saying, because it is a little bit more of like, okay, I need to put myself into this, but I also need to create a product that my client likes and wants and will sell the book basically Mm -hmm. so in shifting that as an example i send a contract two contracts with a write for hire company that puts out cozy mysteries it among a few a few other types of books and at first i i mean i like cozy mystery and they're fun to write but it's maybe not my like top passion but i knew i could do it right Mm -hmm. i knew i could write this book so I said yes, and it pays very well. 
And so that was one of those things where it was a decision that I made based on, I don't want to say it was solely based on money, but I knew that if I said yes to these two contracts, Mm -hmm. it would set me up for a year, basically, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's still things that you need to make on top of that. But through the writing of it, I wasn't maybe as excited as I was when I wrote my science fiction, but I still enjoyed the process. I found the enjoyment out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And also through the editing of it, I feel like it honed my skills as a writer as well. But I chose to say yes to that to fund my other writing. Mm -hmm. So with the Kickstarter, it was it the the side of it that deals with selling product was very like in my wheelhouse already. But the side of it that was like, this is my book and people are going to read it was very much the like non-business Emily. Yeah, <laughs> it's still yes. like that's the side of me that gets giddy that people enjoy reading it and wants to like just like forget all my responsibilities and write book two, things like that. Yeah. But the business brain says, no, what's best? You have these other responsibilities you have to say yes to. So I think through those other businesses, it's helped me to kind of train myself to think, is this going to be a smart financial choice or is this going to be totally a passion choice? Now, mm-hmm. I could choose to just forsake all responsibilities and write another young adult book just for fun. Right. And that's that's fine. But if it doesn't fit within like my business goals at the time, it may not be the best use of my time. So mm. there's a lot there that you have to really... Yeah, You know, it just changes the way, and honestly, in a helpful way, it changes the way that you view edits from editors too, mm-hmm. because no longer is it, oh, you know, my passion project is being ripped apart. It's more <laughs> of, oh, we're making this a more saleable item. Right. We're making this something that, that readers are going to want to consume. So it sounds a little cold. I definitely still put my heart into all of my writing. But it helps to kind of think of it like that because otherwise you could just wait and you could just be like, well, I'm going to wait until that one publisher, that one editor sees the brilliance in this thing that I wrote that I won't let anybody look at. Right. Probably not going to sell that book (laughs) just Mm -hmm. because there's certain things that make a book saleable. So, yeah, so true. What you just shared with us is very solid advice and a lot of gold nuggets within what you just shared because. And I hope those who are listening really paid attention because the wisdom that you just shared about being able to take a step back away from the passion, the creative side, like we have to put the passionate part into it in order for it to have that spark. But to be able to take a step back and say, okay, this passionate thing has to happen within the context of this bigger goal. We have to do that in order for something to sell, in order for our client to be happy with us, right? Our client is our reader. And in order for them to be satisfied with the product we deliver them, we have to have that kind of mindset when we come at it. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. As we begin to wrap up this episode um, and this conversation, which I've enjoyed and I can't believe we're already at the end of it. But as we begin to wrap it up, what other words of advice would you have for somebody who is trying to navigate the whole business and writing world Mm -hmm. that we live in Mm -hmm. this is going to be a little repetitious if someone listened to another podcast i've done but i think it really fits this as well and maybe i'm just hammering the same point but write the next book and that may seem kind of strange as like business advice but i have seen so many people again who just say this is my this is my passion this is my project it has to be published 
Mm. And that may be the case, but that may not be the book that breaks you into the industry or that may not be the book that this atmosphere of readers need, whether Mm. you're independently publishing, whatever that looks like. So I think sometimes it's as as the, the wisdom is knowing when to move on to the next book. And I don't just mean like number two in the series. Because <laughs> I think some, some people have made it happen where they've written like the whole series and it gets picked up and they make a ton yeah. of money. But a lot of the times a publisher is looking for, this is not the book that I want, but do you have something else? Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to have that, that is really helpful. Again, not necessarily business advice, but it's that kind of knowing when to let go of something to move on to something else that may work better. I could say the same mm-hmm. thing about pen names in a sense. A lot of people will, like I'm thinking of, I think it's, it's Riley Sa- Sager or Sager. I'm sure how to say it perfectly. But he, if you kind of do some research, which I've not done very deep research, but he's a thriller author in the general market who's, gosh, he's like, I think it's book like six or something like that, that just came out or is coming out. And when you look back, he's got like several pen names and they're Mm -hmm. all like, there's like a few books in each and maybe they didn't like really hit it big or whatever. And then he landed on this pen name and it just exploded. So I'm not saying that, oh, just keep going, burning those pen names until you make success or whatnot. But it might be something where you shift your focus. Like for me, part of it was passion. I went from romantic suspense to young adult because that's where I was passionate. But what did I do? I went back to romantic suspense because I sold a book. So, yes. so that kind of like having that, the business sense of like, okay, if I can go maybe down this other lane and find su- some success there, I might be able to retrace my steps a little bit and get back to what I'm passionate about. But maybe mm-hmm. now is not the right time to do that. So, and that's hard. That's not an easy thing. <laughs> no, it is not. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I am sure that's going to encourage somebody when they hear it. And so thank you for being so wise and so vulnerable with us and for just being so open about your journey and the things that have worked, the things that have been challenges, and just the advice that you've given us along the way. We appreciate it. So thank you once again for joining us. Emily, how can we find you? (laughs) I know you have a couple days now. Where do you (laughs) hang out the most? Like, where can we hang out with you? The very most would probably be on my Instagram. Instagram at Create Explore Read. Let's all together create, explore, read. That's where I'm most active. And then through that, I also have the EAH Creative website, which has, that's kind of where you can find me for photography and my young adult writing and my design. But on the flip side, you can also find me at emilyheaney.com and that's for pretty much everything else. So (laughs) awesome. Well, make sure you go check her out. Make sure you um, check out her new book coming out. Suspended in the Stars. That's the name of it. Yep. Check out the book that just recently released, which was Expired Promise. Make sure you follow her and do all the things and give her for your support. So thank you, Emily, for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I hope you, the listener, will join us here next week as we continue the conversation on the business of Christian fiction. Bye. Bye.